0: Welcome to the Kuppinger Cole Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinhardt. I'm an analyst and advisor at Coopinger Cole Analysts. We focus on specific and hopefully interesting topics that we as analysts encounter in our daily work. In each edition, I will have one guest joining me, often a fellow analyst or another interesting partner, and we will have a 15 minutes or so chat around current topics. My guest today is John Tolbert. He is lead advisor for Cooping a Coal in the U.S., and today we will talk about fraud reduction intelligence platforms, and I'm really interested in learning more about that, so welcome, John.
1: Hi, Matthias, and thanks for having me.
0: Great to have you because, really, I can also learn something about that. Fraud reduction intelligence platforms. I've, I've seen that we've just, as analysts, published a, a leadership compass document about that so there is a market segment about this topic what can you tell us about this this market segment what are fraud reduction intelligence platforms
1: you know i think it's a really interesting uh, market these are Generally, services that can collect and look at many different kinds of fraud risk factors, you know, and we're really focused on like the uh, consumer-facing or sometimes B two B segments. So there are hundreds of different indicators uh, that show up in in transactions that, you know, most of the time they're benign, uh, meaning uh, it's good information and the transaction should be allowed to proceed. But sometimes these Uh, Indicators can uh, show the possibility of fraudsters behind uh, the transaction, and and in those cases, these fraud reduction intelligence platforms evaluate all these different factors in real time and then uh, can pass on either a recommendation for permit or deny or um, maybe even recommend some other kind of alternative actions. We see that they... Uh, interact with uh, things like adaptive authentication systems and different kinds of transaction processing systems. So obviously payments, uh, services, banks, uh, other kinds of financial institutions, but also retail, healthcare, sometimes insurance uh, will be very interested in consuming these kinds of services because fraud is just an ever-increasing an ever more sophisticated problem that, that every business around the world really has to deal with today.
0: I, as a user, I would probably notice that such a system is, is doing its work when I get the request to, to, as you said, to re-authenticate, to provide a second factor. Um, would that be an, a sign of such a system being in place?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, sometimes I will get notifications either via email or SMS text of did you really make this transaction? Did you make this purchase? You know, push here to continue or, or you know, type confirm and send that back. That is really the only uh, consumer-facing way that you're aware of these kinds of fraud reduction intelligence platforms. And in those cases, they're informing, um, say, your credit card company uh, that, you know, there's a possibility that this transaction is fraudulent. So better to get some sort of confirmation from the user than to allow it to
0: proceed. Okay, understood. So, And of course, for, say, a credit card company, of course, they have um, just a business justification to have such a system in place. What are the, the other drivers for um, having such a system implemented? Is this also because of compliance, governance, and there legal requirements?
1: Yeah, you know, in the case of let's say PSD two, uh, fraud reduction can be considered, you know, something analogous as you know forcing strong customer authentication. And there's also a need in PSD two for being able to mitigate uh, requirements around popping up a, a strong customer authentication event every time if you're performing this transactional risk analysis. So by uh, conducting these examinations of a multiplicity of risk factors in front of every transaction, you're you're helping to comply with regulations like PSD two.
0: Okay, got it.
1: You know, and beyond banking or finance or credit cards. Um, you know, many industries have a need for this kind of technology because it um, can eliminate other kinds of fraud, like new account fraud. That's where you, uh, a bad actor, will take information you know that they might find publicly, information about a person's name or social security number or physical address or various other factors like that, and use it to construct an account to. Um, conduct fraud with. Same thing with uh, account takeover. We see that a lot with uh, bad actors who will use phishing or spear phishing to gain access to uh, someone's accounts, compromise them, and then either drain those accounts, skim money off of those accounts, or in some cases, they use them as mule accounts for moving fraudulently obtained funds from one account to another.
0: We had a, a former um, edition of this podcast about malware, about ransomware, about phishing. So this is closely related to that. So that's that's a business model, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's a pretty effective business model. But, you know, this is an area where it's. I think it's kind of interesting because it's where the realms of cybersecurity and identity management meet. Uh, fraud reduction intelligence platforms look at a variety of different kinds of information like cyber threat intelligence, lists of bad IPs, URLs, uh, as well as uh, information about users that might be obtained through like user behavioral analysis programs, things that you know, take into account transaction histories. Uh, and then also like physical location, where is the transaction originating from? Does this match patterns of activity that have been observed before? So it's really an interesting amalgamation of different cybersecurity and IAM kinds of technologies.
0: Okay. Um, when it comes to to deployment models, how is this provided? Is this just as a service? Is this something that, that customers of this service, so the credit card companies, the banks, can just consume via, I don't know, an API or something like that?
1: You know, I would say the most common deployment model is as a service um, completely. There are... Vendors that provide uh, solutions that have an on-premise component, but even then, they're going to be consuming uh, third-party threat intelligence of one kind or another. So, mostly, it is—it's probably most effectively uh, delivered as a service that would be integrated, like you said, using an API.
0: Okay, and what are the the, the mechanisms behind that? So, what what? It's the type of information that these solutions look at to identify if it's still Matthias or maybe some, some attacker from, I don't know.
1: Well, in looking at those different kinds of fraud attack methods, uh, the ways to counter those things are things like identity proofing and vetting, You know, making sure that the person, uh, the real person who was issued a digital account Uh, should have access to that so you know a lot of times we think of that as kind of a physical process and it pretty much has been up until the last few months or a couple of years where like you want to get a bank account you need to go to a bank but now there are some very interesting um, sort of offline uh, mobile phone based solutions that can allow for uh, remote identity proofing and vetting there's things like credential intelligence You know, whether or not a person's credential has been used in a fraudulent or a suspected fraudulent way in the past. Those kinds of information are shared um, among different identity providers sometimes, or there are uh, companies that collect this information and disseminate it, usually through a subscription to other companies. Uh, Device intelligence, same thing. Uh, There are companies that collect information on all the phones out there. Uh, They get information from mobile network operators, Uh, it can be tracking things all the way down to the the SIM card level, the IMEI number, and looking at patterns of usage, say over, you know, three to six months' time. This could also include things like device hygiene, is known to have been compromised by some kind of malware in some cases. Uh, it can also contain sort of an environmental or a set of environmental factors, uh, usually related to location. User behavioral analysis kind of talked about that a bit. Uh, that can be uh, you know, looking at patterns of, of usage over a certain given amount of time. Behavioral or passive biometrics, those are... How you might use the phone. Uh, phone smartphones have gyroscopes. Uh, they can also recognize how you swipe, hold, or type into the phone, and use that to sort of build a profile of a given user and detect when it's not the appropriate user. And then, lastly, we've got uh, bot intelligence, bot management. You know, in thinking about non finance or non payments kinds of use cases, bots are automated programs that can do a wide variety of things, some of which are are useful from a business sense. So not all bots are bad, but there are bots that do things like what we would call inventory hoarding where they'll go out and scrape a retailer's site, look at prices, and either order up all their inventory and try to resell it or undercut them in pricing. So those are, bots that as a, a retailer, you would want to be able to appropriately manage how your site interacts with them.
0: Okay, got it. Uh, that would actually be somewhat my next question, because as I am a bank user, as I am a credit card holder, um, I know that I want to protect myself from account takeover, from somebody using my my account for their purposes. That is quite obvious. But uh, I, I would assume that, that such a solution would also try to cover other types of fraud. You've mentioned that Bot attacks, which I did not even think of, are there other types of fraud that these platforms cover?
1: Uh, yeah, bots bots can be involved in automating things like uh, credential stuffing attacks, where you know maybe. Um, bad actors have already compromised a site and put out lists of usernames and passwords so bots can be programmed to take those username password combinations and then go try that against hundreds of other sites and see if the user's been reusing passwords uh, between sites and that unfortunately oftentimes gives them access to sites that uh, they certainly shouldn't have so yeah there's that's probably one of the more prevalent uh, forms of identity fraud, methods of perpetrating it, you know, using credential stuffing attacks.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's really an interesting market, actually. So um, I, I've read in your document, um, synthetic account fraud. What is behind that?
1: Um, synthetic account fraud—that's like that's the same thing as new account fraud. That's where bad actors will go take information like email addresses, your physical address, date of birth, other sources to make more realistic-looking accounts. Come from healthcare, government agencies, school records, employment records. Uh, so that's why you know we we tend to be very concern when we see healthcare organizations getting hacked and losing uh, patient information because healthcare records, at least in the U.S., you know, often contain social security numbers. So that's like a, a very important underlying uh, data element that can be used to build very authoritative looking accounts. And in those cases, most of the bad actors are looking to do things like use the this is a staging attack so that they can uh, perpetrate additional financial fraud. And this would be the case of you know, creating mule accounts so that they may have committed fraud somewhere else but they need an intermediate account to transfer money to to get it out into the real world this is especially the case when uh, bad guys are using things like cryptocurrency so uh, these these accounts are sort of an intermediate pass-through for uh, fraudulently obtained cash
0: okay when when we put out a a leadership compass that usually hints at uh, a mature market. So is there a broad coverage by many vendors slash service providers already?
1: Yeah, you know, you have to look back. You know, I think there are about uh, 12 to 14 different companies uh, involved uh, that we surveyed this time around. And, you know, they sort of run the gamut from large IT stack vendors to, uh, several reasonably new, uh, we'll call them early-stage venture capital-backed, not quite startups. And one thing I found about this market is, you know, those six categories of information that I started with—you know, the user behavioral analysis, credential intelligence, spot management—not every one of the vendors does all six of those. Um, So, I mean, especially if you look at bot management, that's kind of a highly uh, sophisticated, highly specialized kind of uh, technology that's involved in detecting and then dealing with them. So even though it's a pretty mature market and we've got a really good selection of vendors, there is a pretty wide distribution of the services that they provide and then also how they do that. You know, and, and this field especially relies on multiple sources of uh, different kinds of threat information. And that can even be somewhat, not necessarily localized, but regionalized. So you'll find that there are certain vendors amongst this list that, let's say, specialize in the North American market or some that specialize in the European market. There are a few, of course, that uh, cover anywhere around the globe, but as you can imagine, it's such a, a rich and voluminous data set. it would be it is difficult to uh, provide intel on on transactions around the world.
0: right, got it. so if 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 somebody looks at the leadership compass, they will always have to to map their individual requirements, maybe even their region, um, as a, a second set of requirements to understand which of the Rated um, vendors, special service providers are the right to choose for them. Um, Maybe we can even support them in identifying the right solution here.
1: Yeah, exactly. We try to call out um, both with the market rating uh, graphic and detail uh, where each company operates, which ones are global, which ones are regional. And then you're right too in terms of overall requirements that. Uh, Again, I think it's important for uh, companies or organizations to really understand what it is they need to do in order to be able to reduce the kinds of fraud that they face. That that would be an important uh, differentiator in looking at these different solutions that are out there uh, and selecting the right one.
0: Okay, got it. So, so I learned a lot about fraud reduction intelligence platforms. If our audience wants to learn more about that, um, I assume we have more information on that.
1: Yeah, there's the leadership compass. There are uh, some individual executive views. Uh, there, we have a couple of webinars coming up on the topic. So, I would just look at the website. We'll we'll be doing some webinars in the next couple of weeks, or we can dive down in even more detail about this and look at some of the solution providers in the area.
0: Okay, great. And for those who are listening to this podcast later in the year, um, all these webinars will of course be available as recording, so you just can can watch them afterwards very easily. So thank you very much, John, for giving that insight. Also to me, that was new to me and very interesting, um, a real-life real, real life solution. Of course, um, somebody interested in learning more about that for their individual use case can contact Cooping or Coal and can contact John for help when it comes to identifying and maybe even implementing such a solution. Thanks again. Uh, John, any uh, famous last words?
1: Um, just to echo what you're saying, yeah, we're always happy to talk about these things. Uh, it's it's a very interesting field, but we know, and I'm sure everyone sees every day looking at the, uh, at the news, there are more and more cases of data breaches, different kinds of hacks and fraud. Uh, unfortunately, that will probably continue to increase, so these kinds of solutions will be even more necessary, and we will continue to report on these as well.
0: Exactly. Okay, great. Thanks again. And I'm looking forward to having you in one of the next editions of this podcast again. Thank you, uh, John. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you. Bye.